Uh, well, since you don't have an open, Eric, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you what I did yesterday. Okay. So yesterday, I spent the day, I don't know, I submitted maybe, it's it has, I don't know a way of going back and looking at like a tally of it, but it's probably close to 50 um, reports to the uh, whistleblower site of all the abortions that I witnessed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I saw Dan Patrick perform a couple in a few alleys. I saw Greg Abbott, like... I don't know, he farted and and killed and forced uh, like half a dozen women in to have miscarriages. So I had to report that one. Right. You know, just I I I I just you know, see something, say something. That's You're a law that's my citizen. approach. <laughs> right. Um and if I get ten thousand well, dollars for each one of these reports, you know, I'm gonna have this house paid off pretty quick. But you don't have a license to conceal carry, um, so that was an issue, right? No. What do you What do you mean, license? What is What does that word mean? Mm, well, out here in the the wild, wild west, we have a lot of laws that you need, you know, licenses and things. Um, but Texas, being the wildest of the west, the farthest west state, really, um, you need a license, right? No, 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 no. See, you're not understanding the the role of government. The role of government is to deregulate everything to make everything a libertarian utopia. Mm. The, that's the role of government is to make sh- is to prevent anyone from ever doing anything to stop anyone from doing anything else. But oh, okay. So you had your gun. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, Lots but. of them just strapped on my thighs and everywhere right ready to take out all any any woman that i see who's pregnant on the street you know i i've got my gun trained on her just in case that baby ends up aborted before it's born right i'm just following her around with a gun to the back of her head to make sure that she gives that baby a a proper birth Mm -hmm. and so how'd it go it went great uh you know other than like I said, the 40 to 50 abortions that I had to report yesterday, um, right. everything was fine. You know, no one, no one came after me. I'm, I'm thinking about next is taking this, this, this new persona and uh, maybe I'll be a poll watcher in November during the midterms. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that should be fun. I'm sure the elections will go great. Yeah, I'm, now that we can poll watch... You know, without any sort of, you know, any infringement on our poll watching, I think we'll finally get the proper outcome. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm just Googling the word a bet to make sure that we're not going to be sued for this open. <laughs> What's never ending to find a beginning that came before everything? Like kids with Dakotas discover the
I don't know what to do, man. It's really distressing. It's very upsetting on lots of levels. Um, but also, in a way, it's this... Uh, I was talking with Jorts about it yesterday, and the best sort of... Uh, analogy I could come up with was uh, we've been uh, watching a asteroid flying for our face for you know six years to the last decade and we've decided to really do nothing about it <laughs> just to be like well it's going to make impact at some point so we're just going to have to all just grin and bear it and that's kind of yeah. what's happened like uh, I, I don't really know another way of of you know evaluating it other than if if we look to history and look to our other uh, lessons we've learned about the revolution of peoples who have been oppressed um usually the worst shit happens before things change so maybe that's the silver lining is like it it takes emboldened people thinking that they can really get away with doing heinous shit before everyone's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. They're, they're finally taking away my rights. <laughs> before they were just taking away everyone else's rights. But now they came to my doorstep. Now we're going to have to do something about this. I don't yeah. Know. But I don't know about this one because it is it is a very um, other people's problems. Kind of like it is uh, an issue that people themselves likely don't have as you know, you it's one of those things like uh, maybe similar to drunk driving, but in the opposite way that you're very against it. uh, But then, well, my uncle, like he he got screwed like he only had you know, four bills, beers at Chili's, and he was he was getting takeout to go home to his family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like you can get mad about it, but unfortunately this is also not one that's going to be causing issues for as many people as you would need people to realize that things are bad does this make sense it's not making people uncomfortable that weren't already in a precarious position if you're wealthy enough if you're wealthy enough um you can certainly find a place to have an abortion uh in or outside of texas i'm sure if you're uh middle class you're likely you know people have kids all the time and it's oh it's it's so unfortunate. Uh, their high school kids are needing to drop out and get married because they have kids, blah, 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 even if you're religious. But most of those people have some sort of family support network. So this is really harming the people that are in some sort of oppressive situa- oppressed situation already or people that have a situation like, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen stories floating around Twitter where it's, this, uh, you know, 13-year-old was, like, raped by her grandfather and had to travel for hours all over Texas to find an abortion, but eventually was able to and now wouldn't be able to because it denies that. Well, that stuff happens, 
but that 13-year-old being in the uncomfortable position, and I obviously uncomfortable is carrying a lot of weight in that mm. sentence. That's a that's a horrible position to be in. But she's not the one that's going to influence policy at all. Like that doesn't pulling on heartstrings with anecdotal stories doesn't click. Yeah, yeah. I I am I did not like that the discourse last night uh before the Supreme Court decision was oh my god there's not even exclusions for rape and incest in this Texas bill what kind of monsters are these people and i'm like you do, you're not understanding anything that's going on here if you think that the bill would be if like there's some part there's some person out there that would be like okay i'm okay with this because they included an exception for rape and incest mm-hmm. <laughs> like what that's the bill you want and then two right. like you're not understanding like the predominant reason for uh, procreation in the human species is through this uh, masculine drive to spread genes. So like whether or not it's a clear case of rape or incest that causes an unwanted pregnancy does not change the misogynistic nature of forced pregnancy upon many individuals who would not call it rape or incest in that in similar situations so yeah. like there would do- if somehow they had included an exclusion for rape and incest that does not make this bill any more palatable than it is currently like that doesn't mm-hmm. change any of the dynamics or any of the metrics or any of the evaluation of of this of this legislation so that was disheartening to me that that became like the big uh the the trope or the big kickball on social media at the end of the discourse last night that we were all just everyone's just up in arms why isn't there an exclusion for rape and incest what like (laughs) you don't fucking understand what you're dealing with if that's their complaint (laughs) yeah and i saw stuff also floating this morning where people are complaining that the gravity of the situation isn't understood because what sh- what we're up against is pure evil. And it's like, no, they're, you know, the, the actions they're doing, yes, are very bad and harmful. They're not supervillains, you know. They, in their heads, are not doing something to try and hurt other people. So how in the world is that, helping anything by being like these people are just pure evil they just want to hurt as many people as possible it's like okay well in their heads they're saying the exact same thing about you defending abortion rights uh because they think you're through very twisted logic not understanding science and through the culture war spurred on and you know spun up from the 80s on but it's not something that they're like, we're doing this to hurt people any any more than their religion allows. And in the very American kind of puritanical view, yeah, you're going to have to suffer for, uh, you know, depending on your range of religion, uh, having original sin or you're going to suffer for your bad consequences or whatever. So it's not something that they themselves think is an evil plan. 
So how is oh, that yeah. helping anything? Well, you can't think it's an evil plan when you think you're the most righteous individual bringing righteous justice yeah. for, from, God, from God upon these evildoers that are killing unborn children. Like that's And this is, might be polarizing to people, but whatever, I'll say it. Here's my militant atheism coming out. There's no way that everyone, the same people, can be all concerned all of a sudden about the women in Afghanistan being under um, Muslim rule and have the same this uh, anti-abortion uh, logic for their own religious imperatives in this country. It's the exact same fucking thing. So mm-hmm. this is just an example of how this is not a political movement. This is not a situation where I don't even think it's a situation where people are actually really concerned about the well-being of others or other human beings. This is about mobilizing an evangelical Christian religious base, and it has been since Roe v. Wade became law, and the whole thing is about uniting that base as a monolithic block of voter support for the GOP position and this is a a coming to fruition of the the main thing that all of those people wanted this is why they put up with Donald Trump for four years they they put up with Charlottesville they put up with all of the other stuff and were willing to let their families completely fall apart with their children telling them that they're racists and bigots and horrible human beings just so that they could get this win like this was the whole point. So um, for those people who want to say that there is some sort of good that religion can provide humanity and that religion has been some sort of beacon of light that has shown the best side of humanity and that um, our morals and ethics cannot be guided without some sort of influence of faith and religion, to, to you, I say, you are a bunch of fucking fools. And religion does nothing but create the opportunity for people in mass to do horribly oppressive, vengeful, and violent things to human beings that they would never do on their own. And that's just a huge problem. I think that if, if in, in my ideal world, like all origin religion would be eradicated. Like we wouldn't just be like pointing our fingers at the, at, at, at the Muslims we don't agree with. Like the Christians are fucking worse. So mm-hmm. this, that's, that's my basic soapbox on this. If you want to hear my true unvarnished opinion about it, the, uh, the religious will ruin all of humankind before they save anyone and that's how it's going to probably end (laughs) yeah the the press too that's more say left-leaning that's just describing the right wing as um like the american taliban too it's like what like just, no, just describe them what they are. Yeah. <laughs> describe them as the Christian zealots they are. That the, that's per, that's worse <laughs> in a lot of ways. You can just call them what they are. <laughs> right. And but the point of it all too is to again, this is like what I'm talking about like calling 
there's their side like an they're they're evil um if you're trying to make this division between what's going on in these culture war aspects then that's not going to help anything because you know why does the right wing whip up so much of so much emotion around this issue well it's because then they can have like rabid supporters <laughs> it's not not maybe some of them do actually believe this but it's all playing a game and as long as you have the you know uh, the democrats that are willing to concede so often to this side and not recognize it's a game and say things like well we aren't even going to talk about the supreme court because that's their amy uh, comey barrett would never she would never guys yeah she's she would never she's got kids she she's a woman she would never (laughs) let's just give her a chance well chance granted it's it's So how's your vote doing? Not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, at least we have these institutions we can cling to. That's really the thing, though, is the Democrats will cling to this idea that the institutions are going to be impartial and save uh, society. Right. That's but why we can't get rid of the filibuster and we can't expand the court because that would mess up the institutions that we're relying on to save society. Yeah. It would mess up the institutions for sure, uh, but they don't want to be uh, criticized themselves. It's better for them to be like, well, we're trying to hold to this sacred ideal uh, as opposed to doing anything because once you do something then people know you can do it and so then they demand you do more yeah Uh, but they don't want to do that because they're getting the same money as the republicans are you know it's it's all this understanding of uh how capital is controlling aspects of society and if as uh you know people just talking amongst ourselves as if us as normal people try to have this division of complaining that one individual person that supports this bill is evil, you know, a neighbor or whatever. Um, listen, you don't have to be friends with them, but you have to understand they're just deluded by the entire system Yet the division between all of these people is what allows this system to continue to perpetuate and allow bad things to happen. It's not that, you know, the the guy that owns the lawn service uh, is himself doing any of this stuff. It's, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. But we... I, it's hard. I understand you don't want to unite with those people, but we have to find a way to at least educate somebody or I don't I'm trying to not use like theory sort of language because right. that can be so off-putting. Um and I'm not like an expert on any of it. But you have to find a way 
to awaken people to how the system is perpetuating itself by uh, through the vessels of these politicians that are taking money from this same system as opposed to being driven by everyday people so that we can have things that don't hurt us. I think the fundamental issue, though, is still going to come up against if one side is more concerned about what their afterlife is going to be and is more concerned about their position in some heaven scenario and is do and is making decisions in a zero sum basis on how that will position them and what they believe is that afterlife that they are only going to be influenced by things that directly affect that outcome they don't give a fuck about what happens to the planet they don't give a fuck about what happens to your neighbor they don't give a fuck about those things unless they can draw a direct corollary line that this is going to actually demote my position in heaven or demote me down to hell or whatever that case may be and when they go to church every sunday and the pulpit tells them that vaccines are a hoax and the pulpit tells them that the most righteous thing that you can do is predict a cluster of cells that has no brain stem and you know no development of any organs has no viability that that is going to be the thing that you know God looks at as the most important thing on your ledger when he decides on at your point of judgment. I, I don't know how you overcome that state of mind when people have given themselves over to that type of servile nature. Um, they are they have willfully offloaded any critical thinking to be able to be in that position. They have given that up. They've, they went down to the front of the church crying, you know, to pray with the pastor when everyone had their heads bowed and eyes closed to give up that ability to have critical thinking. That was they, that's the main tenant of, of their salvation. So I don't know how to convert that. I don't know how to change that mindset. I don't know of anything other than like pedagogy of the oppressed style. Hey, it's just about dumping it into these kids now because I cannot, I'm not relying on changing my neighbor's mind. So, but the thing about that is sort of like the point I was making originally in that this is not making people uncomfortable enough to question the system. It's not making those people's lives difficult because this is something they support. And without reaching a point where those people are in such dire straits that they're going to be receptive to a new understanding of how the system is hurting everybody, then we're sort of out of luck. It's not, you know, this is not that I have some sort of uh, accelerationist perspective on things, but this is why we, 
I was pretty convinced that uh, the election of Joe Biden was going to be very detrimental to the future of politics here mm-hmm. because he is so right wing and liberals have slept on everything. They have slept on, uh, you know, him killing an entire family, like four kids included in an airstrike in retaliation for like the right. bombing uh, at the airport. L- media, no mention of the like, what, 90 Afghans that were killed. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just like they're asleep to all of this. And if you tell them they're asleep, they're like, you're, you're blowing this out of proportion when he's really harming so many things because he's not willing to actually do anything. And he's willing to concede to the right on every point. Right. I think that's the other issue is there's a way to make the other side uncomfortable there's a way to make this nation so secular that it is too uncomfortable to practice any religion like there's a way to do that but are we willing to pay the blowback charge on that advancement like I can tell you right now, the Christians are not going to just change their mind when things get uncomfortable. They're going to become martyrs and do their own suicide bombings. And it's it will be just like any other situation where a country has tried to marginalize uh, an overly powerful religious block inside of their country. Um, So I don't like I don't think any Democrats have the stomach for the fight to. actually push policies that would force the situation to be you would get a bunch of evangelical Christians now really crowing that we are being um you know persecuted and thus we have to go do these you know righteous martyrdom style killings in order to make our point um like that's been the history of Christianity forever <laughs> so i i don't know if uh does does the country of uh, a freedom of religion and freedom of expression have the have the willpower to make religion so uncomfortable that it no longer can exercise its influence on a political and societal basis for all people? Do we have the stomach for the fight to do that and deal with all the blowback and consequences? I really don't think that we do. So the, then the alternative is if you don't have the stomach for the fight, do you just let them make it so bad that we all eventually become revolutionaries and are fighting like in our neighborhoods over this stuff? Or is that a better alternative than uh, making the situation so uncomfortable for the other side that they have to then endure the consequences on their own end? Or do we just endure the consequences on our side because we're good people? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, this is no easy answer. But the 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 reason the election was so bad is because it's not doing any sort of uh, awakening of democratic supporters so you're 
we're having continual right, bad things happen. <laughs> right. It's it's alienating and not bringing anybody together through all of these bad things going on because now people can just be like, well, why are they letting the bad people do the bad things? Like, <laughs> instead of demanding they do anything because they're afraid if they demand anything from the Democrats in power that, well, that will look bad. That will look like we don't support them. So then the Republicans will be able to use that against us. And it's like, well, no, you should be banding together to demand all of this action. And if the people who are in power are too weak, um, you know, I'm talking about pretty much all of them, uh, then demand somebody better. Like you have to understand as far as like these things go, people have to get so uncomfortable that they're willing to at the very least demand something from their elected officials oh right and to come together to understand how this system is set up and how uh capital is benefiting both political parties because they're essentially the same thing then you have to have the other side also be uncomfortable and that's going to require so much change that um that this religious uh drive for these things doesn't answer the question anymore right you have to find a way we let them we we simply wanted to recognize trans people as actual human beings and that was thought of as persecution tantamount to to crucifying christ so you actually want to take them on (laughs) you want to see like how you know, bad it would actually be if you actually took them on on some of their religious principles, not just act merely asking them to recognize human beings as human beings like that. You <laughs> that that's like the experience. But then the bigger picture of all of this that's even more depressing about this week, of course, is all of the climate shit that's happened this week. And, you know, watching Ida and then now watching New York be, and New Jersey and Maryland be completely inundated and people dying in their basements because they were that's the only apartment they could afford. And the thing flooded in less than five minutes and everyone died. Like, they just passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill that gave 300 billion more dollars to expanding more highways so we can get more cars on the road. Mm hmm. It had nothing. It had like uh, pissing in the wind type of investment towards any kind of actual environmental infrastructure changes to help combat climate change. Um, People are dying in their fucking basements from just uh, a five inches of rainfall that happens over a less than 24 hour period. And that does is that making is that uncomfortable enough to cause people to do action at the political level that actually might you know you know make things better for other human beings is that enough is that suffering enough? like how bad does the suffering have to get how it bad does get it have to bad. get it's gonna have yeah, to get it's... really fucking bad is what i'm saying like yeah just limiting abortions to six weeks isn't going to make the suffering bad enough like it, we're gonna have to like lose you know uh 
half a million people in a city because of a climate disaster. And even then, that might not be enough. Mm. I mean, we've lost, you know, how many just because of COVID and you can't still can't get half the fucking adults in the country to take a vaccine. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, you had this infrastructure bill that does nothing for climate change in fact, accelerates it. So it does do something. It worsens. Makes it it. worse. (laughs) And then you have all of these climate disasters occurring with almost no mention of climate change in relation to it on the media. And what is the common thing you can draw between these? Well, the people writing the laws and the people paying for the news station are, you know, paying the money to both. Like, they're getting the money. The news station's getting money the politicians are getting money from the same people who don't want climate change prioritized. And that means that, you know, um, and I, it's not like I'm speaking from a point of like being a community uh, uh, organizer or anything, you know, like that's also, I, this is a reflection on me as much as anybody listening. Right. That, Things are not uncomfortable enough to like be like, okay, I can't uh, just retweet something or feel bad about this. Like, that's the thing. It has to reach a point where you're not feeling bad about it. Um, And the, I don't know, the, the grip the capital has on everything is really what is causing these issues. Yeah. Because, you know, people feel too uncomfortable. I'm not going to go to a protest because then I have to skip work. And then what do I have? Do I tell them I was like sick or what? Because I don't want to lose my job. Like it has to get so much worse where you're, you know, pretty much everybody doesn't have a job <laughs> before something seems like it'll happen. Right. Um, I mean, look at you can look at any sort of political revolution over time and things had to reach such bad like such horrible heights um and people had to you know go on strike and watch their you know factory neighbors and probably literal neighbors probably you know living in the same exact apartment neighbors Um, get shot and continue to uh, strike, you know? That's, like, just look up the Pinkertons and look at the, uh, who is it? Is it Emily Blunt? Is she the one that uh, is in the Jungle movie? Oh, John Krasinski's wife, because she's going to make that Pinkerton show. She's making a Pinkerton show that's coming out on Amazon. It's, It's the first first female Pinkerton agent, so pro-Pinkerton, right? (laughs) Amazon uses Pinkertons to bust their unions because people are dying in their factories and they're like, no, we can't let you demand that we have AC on or, you know. Yeah, yeah, that that was incredibly tone deaf of them to... And just the people that are uh, were the producers or are the producers of that show, like supposedly these progressive liberal Hollywood types that, yeah. Right. It's fucking tone That's deaf the as thing. Hell. Because they have solidarity among their class. 
They are the progressive type, but they they don't want their money taken as much as the uh, right-wing elite want their money taken. Like, that's why, uh, like, what's her name? Or John, John Legend uh, and Chrissy Teigen, supposed, you know, progressive people. Um, Best friends of the Not Obamas. to mention, <laughs> yeah, well, they're included in the right wing. Um, <laughs> but that's why they can have dinner with Kanye and Kim Kardashian. You know, it's because they understand that they don't want their money taken. But we as people aren't able to come together over cultural differences of things. And I understand these cultural differences are vast. They are bad. Um, but this is the problem. I'm. It's not an easy situation. That's why things can continue to get so bad because it's so difficult. This is not like if you just walk up to your racist dad whom, you know, I've mentioned this. I don't talk to like any of my parents. Um, and I have never been able to get through to them on any of the things that they've spoken about. But there has to be some way to connect with those people in order to show that you um, serving this system or the right wing is not benefiting you or anybody else. You have to allow for selfish reasons to come into play because communal reasons don't work in this country. You know, that's right. But that's the thing. The liberal ideal, the the democratic ideal of liberalism. Well, learn to code. Okay, then it becomes a you problem, not a we problem. Yeah, we all we all need to do our part by recycling our straws. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So once it becomes an individual's problem, then we get to this point. Um, And it's. That's that's like the root of it, really, like how things can get so bad is people believe that they're individual actors and that everyone else is then an individual actor. That's why it takes so much unlearning for people to recognize that poverty, uh, the solution to poverty is giving people money, <laughs> you right. know, because <laughs> the solution to homelessness. <laughs> Well, maybe if we did like a, a a means-tested program that could teach them what a house is, then they would learn what a house is, and then maybe in one day they wouldn't be homeless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the other thing know. that uh, came down yesterday. It's it's now illegal to be homeless in the state of Texas. That was another one that we we had a, we had like six hundred laws that hit the books yesterday. Or yeah, yesterday. So. All the ones that we haven't even talked about yet, or haven't <laughs> haven't even yeah. scraped the surface because we've been, everyone's been so consumed with the the guns and the abortion bill, but uh, haven't even talked about how now it's illegal to be homeless in the state, and that uh, we have to every sporting event must sing the national anthem before the sporting event as mandated by the government, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, and and of course. Uh, no, no teaching of systemic racism in school. Yeah, can't do uh, that. Well, anymore. you know, uh, I don't want my kid coming home upset um, because he personally feels guilty. Yeah, not that that happens at all because that is not the way that anything like that would be taught. But you know, <laughs> yeah, it's and it's. I think it's also 
just another thing where we've talked about in the past that America had a very easy revolution. We had a very easy time of we we think it's so glorious, you know, our revolt from the British and becoming our own nation. But so much of that just strictly had to do with geography and very little to do with like an actual struggle that took place. Mm -hmm. Um there was free real estate. Yeah, and you could spread out and that allowed us to really not deal with the true revolution that we wanted that we had to deal with for like another 75 years until we had the civil war and even then we kind of decided yeah, it sucked to fight for almost 5 years. Why don't we just table this? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's Again, we've never actually reached. had the real we haven't had the American Revolution yet is basically what I'm saying. Like yeah. the French Revolution was a real revolution, like millions of people were starving to death of famine and they had no choice but either lay in their cottage and starve or take up arms and fight. Like that mm -hmm. that was the binary choice that they ended up with. Um we've never been in that position. We got upset about getting taxed on tea. We fucking were, were upset that some people didn't want us to own the slaves, but then we said, okay, well, we just won't call them slaves anymore. <laughs> is, is that okay if we just don't call them slaves anymore? Like the closest thing we've ever actually had to a revolution was like the abolition of alcohol, I kind of feel. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the only time where the whole country got up in arms and was like, okay, this is not America. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, things got to such a bad point, but nobody has done anything, you know? Yeah. It, like, throughout any of these times that you're talking about, like the Civil War, it's um, people being upset that they're being told what to do um, in some sort of political way. So are things going to reach that point? Maybe. I don't see any sort of real armed struggle in in the future of the country like there's there's not going to be anything other than an exacerbation of what we currently have where right-wing groups drive around in their pickups and uh shoot people with paintballs so they know who to like go hit with bats later yeah uh and that's going to continue happening um the crackdown is going to always be on the left <laughs> uh, because you keep electing these democrats that are in the right wing like i don't know pro authoritarian pro police pro military how else can you spell it out for people when looking at things like just the cops like it is it is so blatantly obvious what side the cops are on and what is the side that trips over themselves to make sure everyone knows they love the cops? It's the Democrats. Oh, God, we didn't say defund. Are... That, wasn't, that never came out of one of our mouths. Right. I promise. Some Republican just did a deep fake that said we wanted to defund the police. <laughs> it's fucking it's... Cory Booker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's... What can you do at this point? Um, because the, the normal Democratic voter... Uh, has been like, well, I have to vote for the Democrats because blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, look what your vote did. It hasn't hasn't really helped, <laughs> has it? So maybe voting 
isn't the answer. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it feels very hopeless and <clears throat> I kind of didn't even want to get into it when we, before the podcast, cause I was like, oh man, I'm going to spend the whole time just ranting about this. But yeah, I've been distressed about it all. So sorry to bring everyone down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We, we could certainly vamp on this more <laughs> and have this as, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just like. It's distressing because it's like there's you we've reached such a point and there's no tipping point in sight. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing that makes me skeptical of an inflection point happening, at least in my lifetime, is that instead of there being clashes that happen at the leadership level clashes that happen where people are really trying to promote an idea and then fighting over whether or not we should implement at the, that idea at the highest levels whether that's the united states congress or even in your state like your state legislatures or even in your fucking city your city council like making a coming up with some bold plans of action to like help your city out i think the modern approach to political leadership especially from the left has been to abdicate responsibility whenever possible and kick that down a notch of the level of hierarchy so we don't want to handle any of the tough decisions at the presidential level so we kick that down well oh god Mm -hmm. congress doesn't really want to handle this either so we kick that down a level to the point where like pandemic related stuff everything has been kicked down the responsibility of leadership has been just abandoned and kicked all the way down to where now it's up to individual parents and teachers to decide like does the teacher want to like stay employed by the district or do they want to resign because like none of the scientific understanding of contact tracing has taken place inside of the schools anymore and no one's taking delta seriously or anything does or does the teacher say well because the can has been dropped, the grenade has been dropped from the top all the way into my lap. Now it's up to me to decide that I have to stay in this position because otherwise then the kids aren't in school. And that means that mom, single parent, has to stay home with the kids and she can't work her two jobs, which means she's not making money to feed those kids. And then those mm-hmm. kids starve. Like It puts all of the... Uh, most terrible, most impossible decisions down at the lowest level of responsibility um, in, in a hierarchy. And no one wants to actually take ownership for any type of uh, choice or decision-making process that would either help or hurt other people in the process and deal with the collateral damage that might come with making any of those decisions. So as things just continually get kicked down, as the Supreme Court now just says, hey, uh, there's just no way we could possibly rule on this abortion bill. Because, I mean, it's it's not up to the governments. They said in their bill they're going to just let private citizens police each other. So well, I guess we can't do anything as the Supreme Court because we can only deal with legal matters. And it's like, yeah. so you abdicated your responsibility. Where, where do we see currently <laughs> any form of any level of government where... 
like the leadership is really leading by example or holding up them their end of the bargain for what their position is. It's not happening. And so I really no. I, I that's why I don't feel like there will ever be an inflection point in my lifetime that will cause it to happen because everything is going to just be sh- shit down to the lowest common denominator of the masses. And it's going to be us people in the lower and lower middle class that end up duking it out for the scraps that were, that are left over. That's yeah. the way it's just going to be. And I, it's, it seems like a perpetual night to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, difficulty of it though is you reach these points where it gets down to the lower levels say we can compare the the two different wings say maybe a left wing and a right wing uh right wing being closer to well just why not say fascism right you kick it down to the lower level uh as we've spoken about plenty of times how fascism is like a top-down organization of mm, authority and uh, violence Mm -hmm. to put down a dissenting left. We already have that structure built out in America. You know, after World War II, what happened with all of the, uh, you know, top-ranking Nazis? They were adopted into this country. <laughs> and Russia, and, and, and Russia. France, and England, so, <laughs> and some fled to Brazil. <laughs> it was an adoption of the system, and now we have people, again, driving around, beating people up. Uh, you know, They show up to a protest against, say, like our governor here, and if any press walk up, they rip the mask off of their face and then the cops don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what you already have, right? That exists. Yeah. On the left, what top-down organization do we have to help combat this? We have, you know, a pretty thin group of uh, radical people that I think are trying to do the right thing that they get stamped out by the cops they get stamped out by the state and the state approved uh, right-wing groups Mm -hmm. right and totally uh what's the word totally disavowed by any of the quote-unquote left party the the mainstream liberal so there is no organization on any sort of center to the left that can go against this stuff. So that's why the left is going to have to bear the brunt of all of the suffering until your, you know, milk toast liberal um, either admits to themselves that they were willing to go along with uh, fascist ideology because it benefited them personally and feel bad about that or actually say they're on their side. And the point that that happens is uh, nothing like the current situation. That's not going to happen over a SCOTUS ruling. No. It's going to happen when 
some. It, I mean, when it's a right lot wing of militias really. are rolling through sanctuary cities and just blowing people away that they don't like as they drive down the street, and but enough people have been think, killed, maybe. Uh, but, but like cops but aren't going to stop that think, from happening. And I don't think a sanctuary city is going to do it because they don't care about those people. Yeah. You know, they don't care about uh, poverty at all. So it's not even going to be killing poor people. It's going to have to be like journalists and stuff that are, and not left wing journalists. It's going to have to be like your, you know, center right uh, Um It's going to have to be these eggheads that think, well, I can debate both sides of the issue. But it, once it's at that point, then it's how many on the left have you lost from starvation or incarceration? You know, it's what like <laughs> that's what is like the poem, the opening line, like uh, maybe the second verse or whatever, like first they came for the socialists and I said nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's like the original <laughs> poem. Um, so. If you're trying to balance on the line or be any sort of, well, I'll listen to a center point, maybe even just a very centrist um, concept of means testing. Well, at least it's something positive. No, it's harming. Yeah. It is harmful. All of those policies are harmful. And by listening to it, it's aiding the oppression of people that right now um, are probably willing to fight for you, uh, but you're not willing to fight for them. And this is as much, you know, a critique of myself as it is anybody listening. Uh, But we've, that's why, again, I was so concerned with Biden winning the election, because you've got these, these, you know, jelly-spined people who are fine with all of this stuff happening because, well, the Democrats are in power. Yeah. If, Guess what? They're not in power for another year. Yeah. You if, know? If, if there was ever a time where there might have been enough momentum to cause, it, you know, a change, then maybe the election after Trump was the one. And instead, we punted. <laughs> yeah. We were like, ah, we can't, we got to play this one safe. Can't afford to lose this one. And you by by doing that you lost like it's, it's, if you punt you lose like that's the that is that is the analogy of football <laughs> like you you need yeah. you needed to go for it on fourth down there was not a uh, there was not a scenario where you won the game by punting <clears throat> it's it's one reason that I'm like personally not interested in sports is because um it seems every year things get bad. Then we get to football season and stuff, you know, that takes up a majority of focus. And then we get to, you know, winter and it's like, ooh, uh, then there's going to be spring. And then things have continued to get worse along that way. Yeah. And nobody paid but, attention but to it. But in the cycle, you didn't pay attention for six months. Yeah. it's Things are always getting worse, but... You know, not that you not paying attention to a game is causing things to get worse, but come on. Like, if we're getting mad and and sending out tweets for three months a year, <laughs> like, 
that's not doing anything. Well, that's and, not understanding the fight. Yeah, and I think that's just another example of we have to all be paying attention, but the even at the fall of Rome, like it wasn't like oh today was the fall of Rome. Yeah, <laughs> it was an incredibly gradual process that happened over centuries of slowly eroding, you know, that empire. And, well, and you still had a Christian sect of the empire existing until like the 1400s, 1500s, yeah. 1100s or something. I can't remember. But so, yeah, it's it was it was a slow erosion, yet it still it still did exist. Right. So it's. When you're living inside the inside the fall of a society, all you see are these there's gonna be these outlier events that seem like, whoa, that's that's a step too far from what I'm used to experiencing in this regression. And that's gonna be like a small moment of eruption of, hey, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, but it used to be school shootings. Yeah, it's not going to be like um suddenly uh, a nuclear bomb is dropped on every single city in America and America's over the, like the next hour. Like it's, mm -hmm. this is going to be a very gradual process. And um, it's, it's one of those deals where I think it's just also is part of uh, the ignorance of Americans. Uh, we're not taught history. We're not taught to have like a global perspective. We're not taught about how, to respect the deep nature of time, how to respect how civilizations have been working for, you know, 15,000 years. Um, we don't learn that stuff. We, it's like not part of our curriculum. And I think not having that perspective makes us even more devoid and divorced from being able to see the signals that are going off around us when things are gradually getting, getting in a, trepidatious state you know mm -hmm. the gradual nature of it is the part that you know where the frogs in the boiling water yeah. or the slowly temperature rising water uh it's pretty hot right now uh but it is not boiling water where it's going to cut off at 212 <laughs> it's going to keep getting hot you know uh, we're in the fusion plasma soup and there's got to be a point where the you find interest in something other than the treats i think mm -hmm. other than the goodies that do provide solace or uh even escapism or something like i know they were talking about on chapo how like uh china made some law that like kids under the age of can't remember what can't play video games or something maybe online video games between the hours of the week and yeah that's you know that'll get tc all riled up uh because it's some authority telling them what they can do right but i think it's, Matt it's Christman building is like, boundaries <laughs> where you, you feel like there should be no boundaries it's I think Matt Christman was like, God bless them for trying something because they see how America is going. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm thinking back of my government class 
in high school when we were debating probably Roe v. Wade and, you know, they had you get in different yeah. groups and then have to discuss Well, it. Roe v. Wade was a little too controversial for us. We had to go back to, like, Plessy versus Ferguson. We were doing, <laughs> we were doing <laughs> fucking we Dred did that Scott. Too. We, we, we can't handle Roe v. Wade. It's, it's too recent. <laughs> too recent to handle in 90s high school. <laughs> well, I, I was lucky enough to have a government teacher that could only last it, like, five years at the school before he left to move to Alaska and become a ski instructor. (laughs) So, um, but at the time, everyone's regurgitating things that their parents taught them. Nobody's got their own opinion, really. Um, and that goes on both sides of the issue or down the middle or whatever. It's just regurgitation. But we have now seen that group of people rise into some political understanding. And if they held on to those beliefs, as you're saying, they weren't educated, then that's now what people believe. They were very emotional in that class, I remember, um, because they had to... You know, I've spoken about how much Denton sucks. It is a place full of resented, resentful people that are angry at anybody trying to do anything uh, for themselves or to improve somebody's life. Um, it shows that the uh, product, the students of that town were trying to almost prove that they were worthy of their parents' yeah. affection by being so vocal about it. And when you mix that with no education, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Because you're going to get people who are so emotionally invested uh, and not aware of what's going on system-wise. And so the inflection point is going to have to be those people losing their minds, right? Like you're saying, are we going to see some sort of hope that people are like martyrs or whatever? Not like me hoping it, but like them thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a martyr. Mm -hmm. Um, But then what was a, who was the congressperson that he said, he was like, uh, while I, disapprove of i think it was the january 6th people he was like i certainly understand um their frustration so it's like the, you are you talking about the cawthorn guy who was calling for more bloodshed the wheelchair not kid him not him um but of course he's a fascist himself yeah <laughs> um but uh you know he's not good but i i don't think he's the one i'm thinking of but you have these people that, again, they understand the system. They understand by whipping people up this way, they're going to always have support, so they're always going to get money themselves and keep their friends rich and happy. And I don't think it's even a meta understanding like that. I think no, no, no. that they're, it's not, their their reality is operating this way, and it's been reinforced ever since, you know, they were children. Like, this is mm-hmm. my, this is my experience as a child, especially as a white male growing up in a very uh, fundamentalist uh, Christian background with parents who went to 
Dallas Theological Seminary, the the way to be the good kid in that scenario was mm-hmm. to reflect back onto your parents the things that they were instilling in you. And part of that, you, I the then the reinforcement is also, especially being a white male in that culture, is that you are the sort of supreme version of a human. Um, you, in fact, like your sister is, should be somewhat subservient to you because she's female. Like that, this is like the stuff that is directly taught. And then when you reflect those views back to them and parrot those talking points back to the adults in the room, they all pat you on the head and, you know, give you the attaboy and, oh my God, you're so smart. You're way beyond your years. You're going to be such a great leader when you grow up and all of that um, affirmation. And to which... You get high off that as as a five year old that fucking dopamine hits, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But the if you stay in that mindset, like what I realized later in life when I got to like college and in my twenties and had like an awakening and a reversal of this. But it took a long time f- for me to become aware of it. <clears throat> the the thing that you realize is your desire to be the good kid in that culture meant that you gave up any of your own ability to think for yourself in order to parrot those things that your parents were saying. Mm -hmm. And what they were explicitly asking from you was be good, regurgitate these ideals, don't think for yourself, you don't need to, these things have already been decided. Memorize the things that have already been decided, never waver from the things that have already been decided, and don't question anything else. And that's what we think is a good a good man. That's what will make you a good leader, a good uh, father to children. All the all of the things that we prize as a valuable in society, you will be that ideal. And to you know strip that off took me like. A decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had to go through like very life transformational experiences to really get a perspective on how twisted that version of reality was. Like I had to go blind. I had to like find the woman that I thought was the coolest person in the world and have my parents tell me that she was terrible because she came from a broken home and that I should not be with her. She was not worthy of being my wife. Like those things like had to happen for me to like get jolted enough to be like, man, fuck you guys. Like I'm tired of being this, this good little boy for you, even though that's mm-hmm. all I ever desired to be was to be, get that affirmation, be that grown up little boy that everyone thought was going to be a superstar. Like I wanted those pats on the head and that it makes me sick to my stomach thinking about how bad I wanted those pats on the head and how bad I wanted them when I was 25 and how bad I wanted them when I was still 35. And like that, that trap, that trap, it's, it's a fucking trap. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's why I say like, I, I sympathize with people in that situation, but I don't know how to shake them out of it 
other than to like ha- force them into having like groundbreaking life experiences that cause them to question every single part of their nature of reality. Like if you don't have yeah. those, you're probably not going to change course from who you've been for 20 years of your life by the time, you know, the world gets to you. Yeah, it I mean breaking out of that kind of stuff and this is certainly you know you could even say like all of that can be rooted in uh the construction of patriarchy within society Mm -hmm. and that again is just a substructure of this entire thing that is that is causing this oppression uh but having those people jolt out of it like honestly um this goes for me i kind of thought like having all of your kids on one half of my family and then half of your kids on the other no longer speaking to you would be enough to jolt people out of it yeah. like especially for my mom who would continually say the only thing she ever wanted out of life was to become a mother mm-hmm. it's like well now your kids don't talk to you so i mean where are you at there and her identity uh, was actually something else <laughs> yeah um so it's something that shocking those people it's going to have to that's again it's going to have to be so much worse yeah to get those people to realize that there's something else and that's why the uh, organization of the left consolidating focus would have been helpful throughout these four years um but instead it's remaining fractured because once you have that consolidated then you can have something other people can look to like the french revolution as we've spoken about like they they didn't come up with those ideas like nobody was like hold on a minute what if we like didn't starve? It's like no, like <laughs> no one's don't thought about starve. this. No one has thought <laughs> yeah. we, humans have been around for ten thousand years now, and no one has thought about not starving. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something that like you need some little kernel of something that could possibly be better, and you know, like uh, <clears throat> Chrisman himself is saying, possibly that's eating bugs in pods. There's probably a world out there in the multiverse that is better. Uh, people are happier eating bugs in pods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we don't have that here. Like, it's... You have instead uh, billionaires wanting to live out their fantasy of going to space and trying to find a way to protect themselves against any sort of revolt. Instead of hey, why don't we just make something better for people? That's the thing. It's why not just provide the smallest amount of help to people? And that's why the system is so corrupting and powerful. It's that the capital itself is perpetuating itself. Yeah. It is no longer controlled by the politicians. It is controlling the politicians. That's why... You get Joe Biden promising $2,000 checks, and then he's like, well, $2,000 total. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> you know, that's why you have Donald Trump gave you more money than Joe Biden. Yet he was the one that we all had to vote for because Trump was so terrible. Like, the right can understand providing these small things, like the culture war aspects of it, because that gets people to support them. The left would rather have them like them than actually provide some sort of structure because they can't, in good conscience, provide for people (laughs) because that would mean they have to do something to help people and they would rather be powerless than do anything yeah the 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 status quo is is maintaining the status quo is is more important than actually providing progressive change yeah and i i think the the interesting calculation on that to me has always been if you give stuff to people you directly give them safety net benefits, it becomes almost impossible to take those things away. Like, you start the Social Security pension fund, it becomes impossible to take that away. Even if you can show, like, metrics because of dwindling population, like, this is not a sustainable system and there's a certain, you know, part of the latent stage generation of boomers who are going to really reap the benefits off this, but then there's not going to be enough money left over for us less populated millennials when we get to retirement because they'll have exhausted the funds already and we're going to have to, like provide a lot more cash to social security in order to make it like a viable option for people going forward. Like you can make all those very like, you know, understandable arguments, but you're never going to be able to eliminate social security. Like I I would, I would say you have way more of a chance of making abortion illegal in the entire country than (laughs) eliminating social security benefits. Mm -hmm. So if that's, it's always been weird to me that, if you understand that it the politics of giving people things makes people have things that now they consider they sh- now that I have it I th- I can't imagine a world where I never had it like this is mine now so mm-hmm. whether you're giving them cash or you're giving them health care or you're giving them retirement benefits or you're giving them maternity leave and paternity leave whatever those things are um the people that benefit from them are going to expect them as part of their right as an American citizen now. And that seems to be the thing that would play better to that voting block. Like, you want more Mm -hmm. stuff? Keep voting for us. We'll keep giving you stuff, and then you'll consider that your rights, and your children will be like, oh my God, Grandma, how did you ever live without universal health care? And we'll all have a laugh about it over Thanksgiving. Like, just... That's always been the confusing part to me is that politics seems to work and yet no one wants to do that politics. <laughs> because then they would have to do it is, yeah. you know, the thing. The it's It's just a resignation to having people suffer. And uh, there's very little difference between that and causing the harm right because the result is the same um you know you can just look at it scientifically like we can figure out the the causes but the result we're going to get the results that we get you know we can figure out why things are happening 
Um, but if you're not willing to change those things that are happening, then you're going to get the same results. Um, as far as, you know, any sort of benefit, we have what? Like, don't we have the uh, unemployment stuff ending? Yeah. Like this next weekend? Well, it's been um, over in Texas since June. Yeah, Even yeah. though they gave us the money, we just decided, the state decided not to distribute the money. <laughs> right. Cause, um, because there's there's plenty of jobs. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, how's, it, the, how's the pandemic doing? It, uh, it, it surprisingly didn't change anything on the uh, number of job openings when uh, they cut off the unemployment insurance. If anything... No one was looking at it as an actual mathematics problem like, okay, yeah, there's all these people on unemployment, but like no one factored in that there's about the same number of people who don't qualify for unemployment who have had to been like bouncing around, you know, temporary jobs or whatever just to get by because they didn't qualify for that unemployment check. And so when you now say, oh, well, we'll just kick everybody off unemployment so they're forced to go back into the workforce because people just don't want to work anymore. Um, what you're actually doing is, so if a person who now long, no longer gets unemployment immediately goes out and gets that job at, you know, the, the truck stop or wherever, all they did was take away an opportunity from a person who was not on the unemployment rolls that was trying to maintain work so you can say, ooh, look at this one-to-one correlation. We got one person off the unemployment rolls and gave them a job. Well, that now means that the person that didn't qualify for an employment that was also trying to get that job now is completely out of work and has no way of uh, accessing unemployment. So you didn't solve anything. You just moved the problem to a different category that you aren't counting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, the, the the whole motivation behind it made no sense from a mathematics perspective. I mean, anyone who just follows basic like statistics or baseball like should have understood that this is not a a, a stick and carrot solution where we you know open a hole and to plug it in with this basic solution one to one correlation that's not the way any of this works and i don't know it that was very aggravating to me should they learn to code <sighs> yeah everyone should learn to code <laughs> yeah it's although that's the other funny thing is like everyone you can code now because uh no one actually codes anymore <laughs> <laughs> like huh, we have a funny. bunch of we have a bunch funny. of computer systems we've developed that do all the coding and now it's just like a user interface where you just click on things no one has to like uh, th- these old days of the idea of man everyone's going to have to learn how to code memorize these languages and everyone's just going to be writing code like no the, the the marketplace of just like everything else made all of that stuff easier so no one had to do rote memorization coding anymore <laughs> it's so ridiculous um it's like the, the the reason there aren't jobs at uh at office places for like admin and uh accounting workers anymore is not because everyone forgot how to do administrative and accounting work it's because we came up with computer programs that made them obsolete that can do all that stuff in seconds what used to take people weeks to do and that's the same with coding. So I don't see how that's a solution for anything. 
But you have people in Congress now that were probably serving, not even like interning, but were serving during the time that you had somebody standing up there and your intern, uh, you know, you click on PowerPoint to turn to the next slide because they would click a stick onto the sign for the intern to take that one down and put the next yeah, one yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> Like <laughs> no, it was it was an overhead projector, and they like did a wave so the intern would know to like remove the transparency and put the next one on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lack of understanding for sure at the top of the progress of technology. Um, but the thing is, the people who do understand it aren't doing anything to benefit people. Yeah. And well, you got to do it to make money because then you get the money. Then when you have the money, then you can benefit people by donating that a little bit of that money to people. But first you got to mm-hmm. make the money. That goes back to our, uh, our the, the downside of charity where like that whole think yeah. tank was like, what if we all just sold our souls and got, you know, multimillion dollar uh, hedge fund jobs, but the idea was that we would then kick back fifty percent of everything we earned to all these altruistic things. Man, we really show it to them. <laughs> it's like I don't think this is the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to continue, and this is the issue. Technology is going to continue to be able to provide some level of comfort. <laughs> so that's that's where the problem is going to be is, yeah, you're going to lose your job, uh, but you're going to, you know... Here's six months of Disney Plus for free as a severance. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know know what conclusion there is to draw between this and anything. It's just that uh, I think calling people evil psychos is not going to be solving anything. No. No, no. I, and and I will say I don't even though my I had my very idealistic militant atheism uh talk I think that everyone who's in uh in all of these positions whether they're in power in Congress or the pastor at an evangelical church in Mississippi or wherever they are I don't think anyone is consciously masterminding all of their actions with some sort of nefarious intent, maybe other than Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Cause I think that's like what he gets off on is the, is the three dimensional chess game of how to mastermind these things. I think that's like how his brain works, but I think all the other people's brains are just like thinking that they're doing, they're doing the thing that's going to get their dad to pat them on the head. And man, when you're, been doing the thing to get your dad to pat you on the head for like 50 years i don't know if you change i don't i just i don't know if you can change i don't yeah i don't think there's a way to uh about face that and all of a sudden have a totally 180 degree different perspective on the world because <laughs> i mean like you said Anecdotally, I've tried the ultimatum stuff with my family. I've had the complete cutting off of relationships. We've had the knockdown, drag out fights. We've had the, well, you won't ever get to see the grandkids ever again talk. And whatever carrot 
whatever stick you want to put out there and none of it seems to be the thing that will change because once that once it's become an ingrained part of your identity this sort of obstructionist viewpoint but also everything that goes along with this maintaining this uh servile but also i'm a cornered animal who's lashing out and i'm always going to be this cornered animal lashing out because i feel like everybody's attacking me everyone's out to get me um once you've given over to that and that's become like no longer just a characteristic but the actual your actual identity Mm-hmm. to betray yourself to say that maybe I'm maybe what I've been doing is wrong maybe the last 5 years I should reevaluate maybe I should reevaluate my entire life that is such a psychological hurdle that I think your mind on the most unconscious levels will protect you from having to go through that identity crisis Mm-hmm. Like psychologically, you will not be able to make that breakthrough because it's too hard. It's too much basically denying your existence, denying your own reality. Like, I, I think it's it's too traumatic of a thing for people to do. And so naturally, they're not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, even on the uh, some politics that I might agree with, uh, or at least support the advancement of how many people are just spending most of their time bitching about cancel culture yeah and just how that sets a dangerous precedent because they like to be spicy sometimes slippery slope man yeah that's a logical fallacy like the (laughs) you know no no um, no not when it's something i'm talking about (laughs) only when it's something you're talking about is it a logical fallacy (laughs) Uh, i don't know maybe everybody needs to uh that, that's like the thing that is so interesting. Things have reached bad points before. In the post-war era, um, you know, which is a joke in America because we've had like how many years where we aren't. Hey, we've been post-war for war. we've been post-war for four days now. Post-war yeah. well, America I don't mean for four one. days. <laughs> so no, 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 not not that war. One before it. Um, the the post World War Two, uh, the uh, after the you know armistice or whatever the, the beginning of the Cold <laughs> War that? America, there we go. <laughs> um, things got really bad. You you had the height of labor power like in the I think it like the fifties yeah fifties and sixties, um, and things started getting eroded so much and people noticed that things were having a bad time. And that's kind of how you have this counterculture spur, um, spur on. Like the, the 60s counterculture, the hope was if we can get enough people to recognize that we're connected humans, obviously this is discounting a lot of the people who had nefarious reasons for things or people who just wanted to drop out of society. Uh, but hey, who wouldn't want to drop out of a bad society? Um, the hope was to spur on an awareness of this collective consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And why don't we all take acid and understand that we're just parts of the universe and black people are people too. We took yeah, acid yeah. and figured it out. 
<laughs> so <laughs> what came out of it, though, you had people who had um, ruined lives because of uh, infiltration uh, from the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had uh, the infiltration of people who were trying to take advantage of the situation. Um, and then you had people come out who were like, well, I know what I can do. Uh, I can build things to connect people, like, say, the Internet. Well, how's that really working for us right now? Like, <laughs> it was turned into a capital uh, project, not actually something altruistic. So I think right now the difficulty I find is, like, how do we have some sort of cultural awareness, um, you know, uh, I don't know, movement or something that helps people understand their interconnectedness. But when you have this constant division of, well, these people are just uh, psychos that are doing evil. uh, And, you know, out of that quote, tell me which side is saying it. Yeah. uh, You know, then how do we draw people together? And that's something that I don't, I don't know. It's, It's disheartening because there's no answer to it. Um, and the good thing is a good outcome isn't guaranteed, (laughs) you know, right. Uh, we could all have worse things continue into perpetuity. Um, there's, there's no guarantee that anything gets better. So maybe instead of paying attention to another sports season, maybe try spending a little bit more time thinking on this and, uh, you know, (laughs) email me. I don't know. I'm, with all the down talk, I will say my overarching worldview is that over a long enough time scale, everything is actually getting better. Like the instances of like disease are going down, the mortality rates are people living longer, um, the instances of starvation are the percentage of people starving on the planet is fewer and fewer. Um, and so you can, you can say in those big metrics, like the general trend is for things to get better. Like the general trend is that there's way fewer wars now that have massive, massive amounts of casualties than when even, even though wars are longer and more, uh, technically proficient at executing the violence, um, they tend to have fewer casualties now. Even when you count and count, uh, when you count for all of the um, innocent bystanders and civilian casualties and everything, like they're much less, uh, they cause much less of a human toll than wars did even uh, half a century ago. So th- there is like a general trend towards things being overall better and from the worst things of humanity like those things tend to get a little bit better over time but the flip side to that is now being in an information age where we are so much more aware of the plight of every human individual on the planet and but not just that like i'm aware of all of the the plight of all of the women um in texas Whereas if that if this was to happen in the 1950s or 1960s, my awareness level, my bubble, my worldview would be limited to my like hometown or maybe just my block, like the people that lived on my street. 
that's like how limited my experiential knowledge of other people would be and how far my empathy would reach. And most likely that would mean that my empathy would be very closely related to whatever my racial and income background was because it only extended as far as like my neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. So there is things seem worse in a way because we are much more aware of them and our our empathy envelopes much more of all of human experience now than it ever has before. So that directly affects us psychologically and emotionally and we carry that with us in ways that no human being ever has on the surface of the planet in all recorded human history. So we're having to endure that and not know how to cope with it in real time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, you know, and then you combine like a climate crisis on top of it and everything else. It thinks things seem like the whole thing is cascading and uh, collapsing on, on top of itself. I don't think that any of these in the grand scheme, I don't think that any of these political decisions in America that are going to happen in my lifetime or your lifetime are drastically going to affect the eventual outcome of the human race as whether we reach extinction in a thousand years or two thousand years or we figure out a way to break that ceiling and live like a million years as a as a race like i i so i want to always try to get the big picture the big the universe-sized picture here because that's another thing that we do and as as much as this hyper focus on the events that have happened in the last couple of days and the societal struggles that we've had over the last few years and then when we zoom that out to like the last 40 years over societal struggles i'm not trying to say that this will actually be the extinction event of all humankind. I, I, I do want to just at least give that little bit of perspective on the back end of things. Like all, you know, civilization as we know it, all electricity, all pr progress of technology could all disappear tomorrow and we would still have a lot of human beings on this planet that would get back to hunter-gathering ways and we wouldn't die off. It would not be the end of everything. So maybe yeah. take solace in that. <laughs> it just, that's never, for me, per, I can understand the perspective. It's never been one that encourages me because I'm not going to be here in a thousand years. And, you know, the homeless people I pass on the street uh, are suffering right now. So it's it's right. a weird trade-off that I don't personally see, well, population is increasing therefore things are getting better it's you know it's i i think the i totally agree that our awareness of it is why we feel like things are so bad um because say i was looking up here um total number of deaths from like world war ii was like between 70 to 85 million total number of deaths in vietnam uh 1,353,000 um, total number of deaths from America's war on terror, uh, foreign deaths, over a million. So, yeah, numbers are going down, but okay, well, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's, um, you know, you have 8 trillion spent on that. 
1.7 trillion can eliminate student debt. Uh, okay. Again, you know the the bad things are being. Um, what is the word? They're being uh, made more efficient. Yeah, and that's that's got such a bad sort of precedent for the future. So I think that's kind of where I feel um, okay in saying that things are continuing to get worse because the ability to, uh, you know, blow up a single family that uh, in retaliation for whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever political reason, um, yeah, that ability is increasing. But guess what? Wipe out a whole family of civilians, they don't even mention it. Yeah. You know? So it's it's not something that, like, we were talking about last week, um, how the Nez Perce tribe, uh, you know, was fleeing and went through Yellowstone and, like, injured some people. And I was trying to say, like, well, I could maybe put myself in that position and think perhaps by injuring these people that are not part of my tribe that are part of this other group, maybe the other group will then recognize um, their persecution of me. But the indifference to human life is really the hallmark of American culture. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you, you know, I don't think it's good to constantly feel bad about things, but it's I can empathize with feeling like things are continuing to get worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- and that's all I'm saying is that definitely our perspective, our in the moment experience, this is this is bad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how bad it is with the reflection of all of human history, but it's pretty terrible for the moment that we have to live in. Um, yeah, yeah, the moment is bad. Yeah, and while you know if. While abortion policy might not be the defining thing that, you know, fucks up all of human civilization, there are things that we could do now that would be beneficial to people a thousand years from now that we're not mm-hmm. doing <laughs> when it comes to climate no, policy we're not and doing everything. Things. <laughs> like, there are things that we could do now that would make their lives better that we are actively trying not to do. So... You know, there that the the big picture perspective works both ways. Yeah, we're actively uh, doing things that are harming kids' futures in elementary school. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not we're doing things that are harming adults right now. Um, so, and that you know, as far as the history of humanity goes, I was also not around then, so it's it's hard for me to put into perspective because things suck now. Um, <laughs> And I understand having a larger perspective, but, uh, you know, as Alan Watts stated, uh, you know, the present isn't some finite point where the future transforms into the past. Uh, It is the present is a continual process. We're in the present and the present moment really sucks. And so, you know. Something needs to be done so that the present moment can start sucking less. <laughs> well, maybe maybe uh, the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl. Great. And then the present moment will suck less. 
Good. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> All right. Well, I I was losing a lot of sleep this week, and so I proposed that we do the evolution of sleep, and I did a lot of studying on that, and so I guess yep, we'll just have to do that for... next week. <laughs> I, I've got plenty. Uh, don't worry. I'll, I'll bring the politics next week, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got, we got, we got, we got to talk about sleep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Until next week. Great job. I feel cleansed. <laughs> <laughs>